Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Well, what a week that was, huh? You know, let me tell you something right out of the gate. This podcast today could go several different ways. And I'm going to tell you right now, had the two games been played in reverse order, I probably would a lot more upset going through today's show. So I'm glad the order of the games went the way they did. And we can get back to being much, much more happy as we have today's episode. Hope everybody had a great Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday. Of course, it was a huge celebration around the National Hockey League with the helmet decals and all the tributes to Willie O'Ree, who was the first African-American player in the history of the National Hockey League. As a matter of fact, Monday marked the 63rd anniversary of that day when he took the ice for the first time for the Boston Bruins against the Montreal Canadiens. So it was a great day around the league. Everybody was celebrating, and for some reason, the Bruins were scheduled to play on the road. What are you, you going to do? I, I guess schedule conflicts and all that uh, came into play, but hey, still got to honor Willie. That's a cool thing. And as we get things started here, I'm going to tell you a quick story about Willie O'Ree. Welcome to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Eric Pesolano. Glad you all are joining us here for today's episode. We're going to recap the games from last week. Of course, there were two of them, both against St. Louis and at home at Ball Arena. And my goodness, was that a Jekyll and Hyde week for the boys in the Burgundy and Blue. We're also going to hand out some stars this week. We're going to have three of them. Yeah, we're going to do the three stars thing, blah, 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 blah. That's just how we roll. We got to give the accolades where the accolades are due. And then also, we're going to go ahead and take a look to our opponents this week as the team takes a trip out to Southern California. They're going to be right in my backyard to take on the Kings and Ducks, so we'll take a look at those two teams in Know Your Foe. So we got a lot for you here today on the show. We're so glad you could be here. But I do want to start with that story about Willie O'Ree. Now, Willie, currently a resident of San Diego, California, which is about an hour and 45 minutes away from where I'm located. So we, we head down there a lot for various sporting events, of course. Seen the Gulls play a couple times, the AHL affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks. Go to Padres games down there every once in a while. 
at Honda Center when the Ducks had a home home game uh, a few years ago. I mean, they they have they have a home game there every home game cuz you know, that's where they play. But a few years ago in this particular home game, I was in attendance and they were honoring Willie. He was there as well. He was an ambassador with the San Diego Gulls. Now, of course, the director of youth hockey development for the NHL and uh part of all of their diversity groups as well. They honored him, did a ceremony on the ice. Everything was lovely. And then he came up and he was walking on the concourse. And I just happened to be walking on the concourse as well. Walked right by the man. Stopped. Said thank you for everything he's done for the league. And everything he's done in his great career. Was able to shake his hand and talk to him for just a brief moment. And it wasn't my interaction with him that stood out. Amongst everything going on. It was his reaction to everybody else who approached him. In that short period of time. He shook everybody's hand. Nobody was really asking for autographs. You all know hockey fans. They are... Far and away, the most respectful fans in all of the four major sports. They're not going to jump in your face to try to get autographs. They just want to say hi. And that's what everybody was doing. Nobody asked for an autograph. It was just highs and handshakes. And Willie shook everybody's hand, said hi. I I mentioned that, you know, I I do a little work in youth hockey myself. He thanked me for everything that I do. And I don't do anything. (laughs) I I don't really do much. I call some games on local internet broadcasts but other than that I don't do much but he just that he took that one small moment to even thank me for what I do was something that I'll never forget it's the only time I've ever interacted with a man and I'll remember it forever and he's going to get his jersey retired on February 18th when the Bruins have a home game against the New Jersey Devils at TD Garden and it's just you know I talked about it last week with Pierre Lacroix and how he's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame yet I just have no idea how Willie O'Ree doesn't have his number retired by the Bruins yet. And especially, I'm not going to jump up on my high horse here, but if we're just being real for a second, especially with the history in Boston and its reputation, you know, it's great that that was the franchise that he played for originally and they were the ones who put him on the ice and gave him that opportunity. But man, this long to retire that jersey number, come on. I'm glad you're finally doing it. Don't get me wrong. It needed to be done. Could have been done quicker. That's all I'm going to say about that. We, We move on. Willie was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame back in 2018 as a builder. They have the builder category, and boy, if that's not the understatement of the century for a man like that, I don't know what is. So it's been a great week to to honor Willie O'Ree and, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. during this week to really jumpstart Black History Month. They're going to wear that decal on their helmets that you saw all throughout the month of February in the NHL. So good on them. For that, among other things, right? Obviously, a decal isn't going to solve anything, but among other things they're doing, that's just one of the, the cooler things they're doing as well. All right, let's move ahead now and take a look at our games from last week. Avs played two to kick off the season, and I'm going to start off with opening night. We'll do this in chronological order so I can get this out of the way because, look, I, I've got this thing that I've always said. I've got a coach's mentality. I told you last week, when I'm upset and I don't see something going right, I'm going to let you know about it. And that first game was an absolute disaster. Peter McNabb said it during the opening of the broadcast on Altitude on opening night. I'm not going to get into the Altitude Comcast situation. We won't even touch that. I know everybody's upset. I get it. We'll leave that alone for now, maybe on a different day. But Peter McNabb said the Blues were out there playing a regular season game and the Avs were out there playing a preseason game. And I, those are the best words you could use to sum up what happened on opening night. They were bad. They were not ready. They didn't come out wanting to play, it looked like. I mean, of course they wanted to play. They hadn't played in a while. But they didn't look like it. I'll tell you that right now. They looked flat. 
And worst of all, and the thing that gets me the most, they looked like they didn't care. They really did look like it was a preseason game. And the very first indicator of that, yeah, they came out flat a little bit in the first few minutes. But when Devon Taves got hit in the head and nobody came to his defense, two things ran through my mind. Number one was, wow, you guys really don't care tonight. Or two, what did Taves do to you guys in that two-week training camp that you're already upset with him? Because they didn't even try. So that was that was a little upsetting. And the all-around effort for the team was not good. It wasn't good. And they got crushed. It was 4-1 to one against St. Louis. We, we know that. I mean, right out of the gate, Avs get a power play. 61 seconds in, right? Burkowski gets a chance. They don't score. Okay, whatever. Power play didn't look great. 19th in the league last year. We get it. You need to improve. Didn't look like it on that, that first one. So they get that second power play. Okay, Burakovsky comes out. He gets the goal. And now you're thinking, all right, they woke up now. We, we got the first few minutes out of the way. And then from then on out, it was just absolutely nothing. It was a disaster on defense. How many times did they turn the puck over behind the net? I don't know if we have an official tracker of where the turnovers were committed, but there were at least four times where they turned it over behind the net. And two of them led to goals. So St. Louis ties it. Sunkfist gets the goal. That one was not off of a turnover behind the net. The Blues actually made a good play, but the defense was lackadaisical. They didn't get back. And the next thing you know, we're tied at one. Kairou gets one. Not too long after that to make it two to one. Defense still isn't moving. Then you get an offensive zone penalty on the captain. They, they played pretty well there on that penalty kill to get out of that first period down just a goal. But it could have been a lot worse in the period because it definitely got worse throughout the game. So you move on to the second period. A little bit better rhythm, I think, offensively. They get a couple of power plays for the the hand being closed on the puck, and then Bortuzzo got a holding call. But still nothing. Still nothing doing on the power plays. And even on the second one, they took a penalty in the offensive zone again. McKinnon and Rantanen had a couple of chances later on in the period. Rantanen absolutely robbed by Jordan Binnington. It was not the Jordan Binnington we saw in the playoffs last year, I'll tell you that. He looked more like the Jordan Binnington from their Stanley Cup run two years ago. And that's when you start getting scared right out of the gate. Look, 56 games, every single game, you're going to get nervous and things are going to feel like it's the end of the world. And that was certainly my attitude after the game on opening night. I'll tell you that much right now. I was, a lot of people were tweeting about it. Is the season over? Is the season over? And some of them sarcastically. Boy, I was texting with my friends and they know how I get when I watch Colorado play. And I get upset quickly and often. (laughs) That's just my mentality. I calmed down a little bit after the game was over and went back and and really assess what happened in the game. And it just really it really looked like a preseason game. They just were not ready to go. And they came out and got slapped around for 60 minutes. And you're going to have nights like that. It's a little more risky to have them as often as you would in an 82-game regular season. So to do it on opening night, not a good time. You might want to save it for, you know, seven, eight, nine games down the road to open the year. Night one, I didn't like it. Second period rolls around. Clifford gets a goal after the turnover behind the net. Kyle Clifford played here in L.A. for a long time. I watched the guy play. He's serviceable. He can get the job done. He's not going to score. He's just not going to score. That's just not his game. He scored once in 21 games with Toronto a season ago. He comes out here, gets his first one with St. Louis in game number one. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is a guy you can't keep off the score sheet. I'm going to get upset. I got to move on. I got to move on. And then you had the Matt Calvert attempt there in the second period when he had the wide open net and ended up getting underneath it, sent it foul up over the left field wall. Like what? (laughs) You can't get under those. It didn't look like the puck was bouncing too much. He could have got on top of it. He probably had time to settle it and then shoot it. But instead, 
He skied it. Nothing doing. Sungfist gets his second after another turnover behind the net in that third period. And then uh, that was it. That was all she wrote. 4-1. to one, Final score. Habs fail to get anything done on opening night. And it's time to sound the alarms. Can't have this happen. Season's over. Goodbye playoffs. Alright, Eric. Everybody's... You, you, gotta, you gotta calm down. You gotta calm down, right? They can redeem themselves two nights from now. Everything will be fine. Minute and a half into game two. As we move on to Friday night. As get another early power play. Nothing doing. Can't score again. But lot more energy. Right off the opening face-off, you could see they were ready to go, which was night and day from game one. But even at that point, do you look at the team and say, okay, it looks like night and day, but is this start to this game going to keep up for the entire game? And is St. Louis just going to come back and match like they did, you know, two nights before and still take care of business? Well, in that first period, it certainly looked like it was going to be a battle for 60 minutes because after 20 minutes, neither team was able to get on the board. A couple of power play, play chances missed for St. Louis and then the one for Colorado. There was a four-on-four on there, which, you know, we know. Colorado's probably the fastest team in the league. Four-on-four, they're going to have the advantage every single time. Couldn't score on that four-on-four after the matching minors to Girard and Sunkfist. McKinnon had a pretty good attempt, but again, that Bennington glove got in the way. And Kel McCarr, boy, that move that he had right in front of the net in that first period that looked like it was going to give the Avs that one-nothing lead. You're not going to see a defenseman with hands like that, folks. I've, I've been saying it for the past two years with this kid. Am I concerned about his defense? I'm still concerned about his defense. I'm saying that out here right now. I'm not concerned with his defense while he's in a defensive position. I'm concerned about his defense when he tries to go on the offensive. So when he moves into the offensive zone, and he's got the puck, and he sees an opportunity of, oh, I got this. I got a chance. And then a pass gets blocked. A shot attempt gets blocked. And then the opposition goes the other way, and he's not back there to help break that up. That's what concerns me. Because he gets a little overly aggressive sometime in the offensive zone. I'm not concerned about his actual defensive play when he's back in the position to start with. He's getting better at back-checking, though. I will say that. And I think that comes with experience. I don't think that was necessarily a flaw in his game so much as it was recognizing the flow of a game in the National Hockey League. That's something completely different. I think he's anticipating more that if he makes a shot or makes a pass that's going to be deflected, that he's going to be able to recognize it sooner and get on his horse and get his rear end back to where it needs to be to break up any odd man rush opportunity. So don't get me wrong there. So the first period comes to a close. They're scoreless on Friday night. Avs out shooting the Blues 12-7 after that first period. And then the second period happened. Landeskog gets on the board. Goal number 199 with a helper from Mack and it's one nothing, and you're thinking, all right, it's one nothing again. It was one nothing two nights ago, too. Where do we go from here? Now, we know where they went from there. Burakovsky gets the goal on the power play with the assist from Philip Grubauer. <laughs> oh, you got to love a goalie assist, don't you? Matter of fact, he was the first Avalanche goaltender to record a point in a game since Jonathan Bernier in the 2017-2018 season. Bernier, a former king as well. Kings are a theme on the show tonight already, aren't they? And they're going to be later because Av's got the Kings for two coming up this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I think uh, Grubauer had a quote after the game talking about, hey, I told the guys if they want to score, they're going to give me the puck. I'll get it to them. Well, he did there. He's got an assist early on in the season. So that made it 2-0. Landeskog then gets his 200th career goal. How about Gabe? 
you know, he, he took a lot of flack for those years where they weren't producing. And, you know, one of the years ended up the worst team in the league when they only had the 48 points in the standings. And it was, it was embarrassing. It really was. But I think he learned a lot from that. Matter of fact, uh, Emily Kaplan from ESPN wrote an article about are the Avalanche ready to take on the role of Stanley Cup favorites for this season? And there was a nice piece in there about Gabe Landeskog and how he was around for those years when they weren't very good and what the mentality was going forward. And it turned into a mentality of, we hate this and we don't ever want this to happen again. She also talked a little bit about how when he was named captain at 19 and how Milan Heyduk passed the torch on. Go, go check it out. Emily Kaplan, ESPN.com. Read that article. It was a good one. It really was. So Gabe now gets goal number 200 for his career. And there's not a ton of players in the National Hockey League who can say that they've done that. So congrats to Cappy. Congrats to Gabe. He gets career goal number 200 on a night that turned out to be pretty special for the team. And then Miko Rantanen gets his 100th career goal. Not but a little bit later in the period. Also on the power play from Makar and Kadri. You're looking at that 2015 draft class and how they've produced five of those draft picks from that 2015 class have now hit 100 goals. Connor McDavid, of course, uh, being number one on that list. Jack Eichel, Sebastian Ajo, Kyle Connor, the other four with Rantanen now being number five. Congrats to him. So a lot of history made in that game Friday night against St. Louis. You go to the third period, Kadri gets a goal. Gosh, you know, Nazem Kadri scoring against St. Louis is just becoming a fun thing, isn't it? I mean, the last time he put a goal in the back of the net, there was a tenth of a second left on the clock in the bubble, and the Avs won the game 2-1. to one. Friday night wasn't as important. It was 4 nothing when he scored to make it 5 nothing. But when you go up 5 nothing on anybody, you know it's going to be a great night. 4 nothing? Hey, I've seen teams come from behind on that before. I don't think I've ever seen a team overcome a 5-goal deficit. I'm sure it's happened before in league history, but not in front of my two eyes. It hasn't, so good night there. McKinnon scored on the power play a little bit later. Donskoy and Taves wrapped up the night. Devon Taves with his first goal in the Burgundy and Blue for Colorado. It was a power play goal from Gerard and Burakovsky. That wrapped up the night. 8-0. The Avalanche win. A touchdown and a two-point conversion. Something the Broncos, I'm sure, could have used throughout the season. But a big win for them to get to now 1-1 one one on the year. With a four-game road trip here in Southern California coming up over the span of the next week. So all in all, real Jekyll and Hyde week for the team, right? You get the miserable effort in the opening night, and then Friday they come back and completely turn it around, do a total 180 to get the win. What do you guys think? What do you think about a week like that? Come out with no energy, turn it around, come out and blow out the same team away just two nights later. And Mike Hoffman was in the lineup, right? All that hoopla made about him, coming to the team, signing that one-year deal. Of course, he missed opening night because he had... Visa issues getting back into the United States, but he was cleared for the game on Friday. How many times did you hear his name during the broadcast the other night? It wasn't very many. I mean, they mentioned his scenario, but he didn't wasn't a factor. This is a guy who can score 30 goals in a season. Yes, I know, it's game two. It was his first. Yeah, 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 I get it. But still, it makes you feel great. I mean, there's only six more games against St. Louis the rest of the way, but the good news is two are out of the way. can look forward to the next six. But I want to know what you guys think. You can go on Twitter at Eric underscore Pesolano. Send me your thoughts about that first week in the season. Don't forget, you can also follow the podcast at Believe in Avs. That's at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. Follow the account. we got a Twitter poll up going right now as well. We want to know who's going to score the first goal 
in the game against the Kings coming up on Tuesday. Will it be the three-headed monster or will it be the field? Go on Twitter right now and vote. I want to know what you think. But also share your thoughts with me about that first week of the season for the Avalanche. Some good news this week as far as the roster is concerned. Of course, the defense, oh boy. Oh boy, is it going to get shored up. Great performance against St. Louis. Lackluster as heck in game one against the Blues. But here comes Eric Johnson. Of course, he was out. Now we know officially due to COVID protocols. He tested positive. Said he had some symptoms, but feeling great now. Completely healthy. Good to have him back. Glad that he was able to take care of himself while he was gone. So he returned to practice the other day. And so did Bo Byram. Bo Byram was in practice. He has been assigned to the taxi squad for now. Connor Timmons moved down to the taxi squad as well to make room for Eric Johnson, who's going to come up to the big club. And we'll see how they do against the Kings in that department. Shane Bowers, Logan O'Connor, a couple of forwards on that taxi squad have been reassigned to the Colorado Eagles in the AHL to make room for the gentleman coming up. So moving and shaking already after only two games. Time to get things going. Byram, of course, was... Pretty darn good in that World Junior Championship for Team Canada. Excited to get him going. Of course, he skated with the team already. Uh, he was in during the playoffs last year. Didn't get any game action, but was able to skate around and practice, kind of get a feel for everything going on. Nothing is like the in-game regular season experience, of course, so he's going to have a long way to go there. But the sooner you get him out there, the better, because there's a real chance here that he can get a lot of experience in before the postseason. And I, I, I know it goes back to that whole burning your the first year of your entry-level contract and blah, 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 blah. Well, there's a real chance this kid can make a difference right out of the gate. Managerially, how do you do that? If you're Joe Sackick, if you're Jared Bednar, how do you want to play that? It'll be interesting to see it. I guess it all depends on how healthy the team can stay defensively. Of course, Johnson was out for a while last year during the playoffs. I think the defensive unit this year is much better than last year. Yeah, I said it. And I think you have the flexibility to plug him in for a few games. But you probably don't need him in the postseason. And if I'm saying you don't need him, that tells you how good this team is. Because when he does get in there, watch out. Watch out. Because you already got the Calder Trophy winner back there. And now you got this kid coming in. Good luck. Good luck, everybody else trying to get around that defense. I'll tell you that right now. But then you look at also the other moves that were made defensively the other night on, on the Friday game. To be more specific, when Jared Bednar said, all right, Cole and Graves skating together, there was you know, there was a lot of talk about them not being able to move around too much. You know, They're not the quickest guys that have ever put on a pair of skates. They split them up, put Timmons with Cole, Gerard with Graves, worked out. It, it made a difference. It really did. You know, Sam's quick, and Connor Timmons has been playing real smart lately. So it'll be interesting to see what those pairings are going to look like going forward, but it worked out real good in that second game against St. Louis. You're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Eric Pesolano with you here for episode number two of the show. Let's move on and hand out some stars, shall we? Let's give out our three stars of the week. Of course, there wasn't much to say about that opening game, but there was one bright spot. And out of the 23 who showed up to play the other night, you know, who were physically there to play the game, I don't know about show up to play, but one of the 23 definitely did, I thought. And that was Andre Burakovsky. He scored a goal. The only goal for the Avalanche in that opening night game. Scored another one in the 8-0 drubbing of the Blues. So, how about Andre Burakovsky as our number three star of the week? Number two star of the week, let's go back on the other side. Kale McCarr. A guy who I said I had some questions a little bit about him getting back on defense. 
switching from offense to defense. Little things like that to shore you up to make sure you're a perfect defenseman. He had three assists in game two. So offensively he was there, but even more importantly, the defense did not make the turnovers that they did in game one, which I thought was a huge difference from game to game. So Kale McCarr, the number two star of the week and the number one star of the week, you get your 200th career goal. I don't know how you overlooked that, but a couple of goals in game two for Gabe Landeskog. He's our number one star of the week for the accolades that he was able to put up on the board and hit that career milestone. Very excited for him. Great to see, of course. Things are a little different now when you hit these milestones and there's nobody in the building to celebrate with you. No fans there, but we were cheering from afar and we'll do so as the rest of this season progresses. So congrats to Gabriel Landeskog. The Cappy is our number one star of the week. The first time we're able to hand out stars on this podcast and I'm excited because that's one thing I'm going to look forward to doing each week. I'm not going to go the other way. I could do jeers too. Don't need to do that. We're going to keep it positive here for now because I'll rip the team mostly. In other aspects of this show. All right. Four games coming up this week. They're going to play Tuesday and Thursday at LA. They're coming to Staples Center for two. And then they'll head down the five freeway to take on the Anaheim Ducks at Honda Center on Friday and Sunday. Play that earlier game time on Sunday night against the Ducks. They play five o'clock home games on Sundays, usually in Anaheim. So there's one for you to keep a look at the schedule as the rest of the season goes on. So we'll start with the Los Angeles Kings. Last season... Not something you want to write home about. They finished bottom two in the Western Conference, along with the Ducks, as a matter of fact. Only three teams in the Western Conference were not invited to the bubble to complete last season, and those three teams all resided in California. The Kings, Ducks, and Sharks did not go to Edmonton for the bubble. And for the Kings, you know, still a young team in some some aspects, and they're still trying to find their groove, and they look real good against the Minnesota Wild in their first two games for the first couple periods. And then the third period happened. They had a 3-1 lead in both games against Minnesota. They lost them both in overtime, 4-3. Both games ending with the same score. The first game, they saw Kirill Kaprizov get his first career NHL goal in overtime. I think they said he was the second player in the last 37 years to score a game-winning overtime goal in his NHL debut. They see him score to take away that bonus point. And then the second game might have been even worse. They allow the game-tying goal with less than two seconds to go after hitting the post from distance on the fly with an empty net, which could have wrapped things up. Wild turn it around. They tie it up. And then with 11 seconds to go in overtime, Marcus Johansson was able to bury the game winner to break the hearts of the Kings once again. Jonathan Quick was good in that second game, though. He stopped 40 out of 44. I mean, you're going out there and stopping 40 shots. you got to ask your defense to wake up a little bit. I get it. The Kings aren't going to be great. We know that. But my goodness, help a guy out. He's got two rings for crying out loud. The good news for the Kings coming into this year, they signed Andreas Athanasiu away from the Edmonton Oilers. Remember, he was shipped off to the Oilers from the Red Wings after four and a half years in Motown. He scored 30 goals back in the 2018-19 season for the Red Wings. He played nine games for the Oilers at the end of last season, and he was able to score a goal in each of the first two games. So already some positives you see from him there to start the year. The other good news for the Kings, Athanasi is the only player on the team who's got two goals so far in the early onset of the season, but five different goal scorers through those first two games for the Kings. So they're spreading the wealth, and that's uh, something that you can build on as you go into to the year when not much is expected of you. Of course, last year, the leading scorer, Andre Kopitar, what else is new? 
21 goals, 41 assists. He had 19 more points than his next closest teammate, who is Alex Iafalo. So always got to keep an eye on number 11. He has given the Avs fits over the years, so keep an eye on him. Matter of fact, last year, with all the mess that the Kings had gone through in three games versus Colorado, they didn't lose in regulation. Matter of fact, they won two out of three. They were 2-0-1 against the Avs. So they can give they can give the Avalanche fits. I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Doesn't matter what the records are. The Avalanche have a tough time in Southern California every time they come out here, whether it's the Kings or the Ducks. So this isn't something you can overlook. You, you look at the schedule. You play these two teams who are quote-unquote projected to finish at the bottom of the conference. I'm sorry, the bottom of the division, the Honda West division. You cannot take these guys lightly, especially when you're going to see them eight times in a season. After game three or four, they're going to start figuring stuff out. Next thing you know, you could split a season series or even lose it. You'd like to think that with the 16 points available against both of these teams that you can grab at least 10, right? At least 10, if not more. So we'll see how it goes as they get things underway Tuesday night at Staples Center. Take a look at the Anaheim Ducks, where the Avalanche will head to Honda Center on Friday night. Ducks also (laughs) with a heartbreaking start to the year. I mean, they have that first game out in the desert against the Vegas Golden Knights. They were down 2-0 after the first three minutes. But then they came right back. Maxime Comtois scored a couple of goals to even things up. And then they get to the third period and the Knights eventually remembered who they were and they put the Ducks to sleep. But for a while there, the Ducks were hanging tough. And then you had the game a couple nights later against the Golden Knights. That was on Saturday night. That ended up being an overtime game. But the Ducks had a one nothing lead for a very long time. They scored about midway through that second period. Again, Maxime Comtois with the goal. He scored all three Anaheim Ducks goals so far this year. And he's the guy that you might need to look to. He's the future of the team. One of many on this Ducks team with Sam Steele, Troy Terry. Got to keep an eye on Max Comtois. But... The Ducks gave it away. Game-tying goal for the Knights with the extra attacker with a minute 22 left. They go to overtime. And I don't know what happened on that opening face-off. But somebody fell asleep because Max Pacioretty got up and went right to the left side of the goaltender, John Gibson, and took a great pass and was able to bury it to give the Golden Knights the win 2-1 in overtime. So they sweep that series against the Ducks. 2-0 2-0 for the Knights in those two games. For the Ducks, they go 0-1-1. and You take a look back to last season, Ducks were 29-33-9 on the year. Didn't go to the bubble, as I mentioned. But Honda Center is one of the toughest places to play in the National Hockey League. I don't care who you are. 16-15-5 at home for the Ducks last year. Hovering around 500 at home, one of the worst performances in team history. And they still had a winning record at Honda Center. I know there's not going to be any fans there. I get it, especially here in California with everything going on. That's still a tough place to go play. You know, the ice is different. I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't checked the weather forecast yet. It's been hot here the last few days. We've been hitting the 90s. All right, it's January. So we'll see how that plays into effect when they hit those two games. Ducks had a winning record against the Avalanche last season as well. They met three times. Ducks won twice. Avalanche won once. One of those wins in overtime for Anaheim. So Colorado won one and one against the Ducks last year. And you take a look at some of the additions that Anaheim made to the squad. Kevin Shattenkirk comes over on defense from Tampa Bay. That's one aspect that the Ducks really needed to fix because their defense was just awful. If they can fix that up and, you know, allowing only one goal in regulation and then another one in overtime till the Knights is a pretty good start after opening night when they gave up five. 
So they're getting there. But getting Shattenkirk is going to help. you got a guy who just won a Stanley Cup to come in and lead the way defensively. Kind of, you know, leading from behind with Cam Fowler being the leader of that defense. Avs fans, of course, they're going to remember Kevin Shattenkirk drafted 14th overall by Colorado back in 2007. And he's bounced around a bit, bounced around a lot. The Ducks are his sixth team that he's played for in the NHL. Ducks, they've got, they've got a lot going for them here over the next year or so. We talked about Steele, Terry, and Comtois. We'll talk more about Terry in a second. But, you know, we, we rewind and we look at those World Junior Championships and Trevor Zegras absolutely stole the show for Team USA and for the rest of that tournament. Basically carried Team USA on his shoulders offensively and led them to the gold medal. Jamie Drysdale, of course, with Team Canada. You can expect to see him eventually for this Anaheim team. Their prospects down there over the next few years, you're looking at a team that can probably be a cup favorite once they get all their pieces put together and start to mesh and start to gel because everybody on that team seems young. Of course, Ryan gets laugh notwithstanding. He's good to hold over to be the experienced guy for now, but eventually... With these kids playing all these games at this age and together, they're going to be a force. I just, you know, and, and again, coming into Honda Center, once the fans get back in there, that place rocks during the postseason. Good luck. Good luck. We all know their history with Game 7s, especially at home. Hasn't been great. But I'm sure eventually there'll be a time where uh, they'll be able to figure it out. This is a young squad. They don't, they weren't there for those moments. They're going to make their own moments. The Ducks are going to be fine. But getting back to Troy Terry, of course. Another kid who's from Colorado, he's a Denver native, played uh, the U16 Colorado Thunderbirds in the Tier 1 Elite Hockey League when he was coming up and, of course, went to the University of Denver, won a national championship with the Pioneers back in 2017. And he's been up on the big club with the Ducks for a couple seasons now, so he's getting his legs under him as well, and you've got a team out there in Anaheim that looks pretty good. And another squad that just gives the Avalanche trouble every time there's a game here in Southern California. Of course, it happens in in Denver a lot also, where for some reason the Kings and Ducks bring their heat to the Mile High City. But Avalanche, of course, a much better team than they have been in the past. So coming out here to Southern California may not be as daunting as it used to be. Uh, it's always been an issue, you know, notwithstanding the couple of years where they were real bad. But even when they were a playoff team and being a top one or two seed, they always seem to struggle out here. But there may be a changing of the guard now, which would be real nice. So there you have it. The Kings and Ducks coming up this week. That was Know Your Foe here on the Believe in Avalanche podcast, here on the Believe Podcast Network. Eric Pesolano with you here on the show. Thanks again for tuning in as we bring you all the updates from the team this week. And before we let you go, just wanted to mention one story that happened shortly after we recorded last week's show, and I wasn't able to get it in. But how about this story with Pierre-Edward Belmar and having his dreams absolutely shattered by Andre Burakovsky in a presser last week when they were talking about Playing a game in Lake Tahoe. I'm sure everybody's seen the story by now, but this has to be the feel-good story when P.E. was so excited to finally be able to play a game on a frozen lake because he'd never done it before in his life. And Andre Burakovsky right there in front of all those cameras and, in my opinion, doing the absolute right thing, letting him know they're not actually going to play a game on the lake up there <laughs> for a couple of reasons. One, that lake does not freeze. And two... It just ain't going to happen. They're going to build an actual NHL sheet of ice on the 18th fairway of the golf course up there. And it's very picturesque. I'm sure you've seen the pictures. 
on social media by now. We posted it on the at Believe in Avs handle on Twitter. Go check it out if you haven't seen it yet. But it's going to be an absolute beautiful setting on February 20th when the Avalanche take on the Vegas Golden Knights up in Lake Tahoe. But I'm sorry, Pierre, Edward. It's not going to happen on a frozen lake. Sorry. Maybe one day, though. Maybe he'll get his chance one day. Maybe they will play a game on a frozen lake, actually, in the league one day. It'll probably be an exhibition game, and it won't count for anything, but maybe you'll still get that opportunity. But I can guarantee you this. Somebody on that team is going to take him in the offseason to make sure he gets that opportunity. I'll guarantee you that much. He will get his shot. I've never skated on a frozen lake either. I know a lot of you have. You're going to listen in and say, Eric, I cannot believe you haven't done that yet. And this is probably something I shouldn't mention because I'm going to lose a lot of credibility when I do. Your boy's not an ice skater. Not that coordinated. Can't do it. Can rollerblade just fine. I can roller skate just fine. I can't ice skate. Can't do it. Tried it when I was younger. Did it a little bit. Matter of fact, the first time I ever put on a pair of skates and stepped on the ice was at the old Iceplex down in Escondido, California. For those of you who know where that is. R.I.P. to the Escondido Iceplex, unfortunately one of many rinks that fell victim to economical circumstances during these times, but that was the rink I first put them on. I was able to skate around for a little bit before I nearly snapped both my ankles. Don't have great ankles. I grew up playing basketball, I'm not going to lie to you. But I'm a huge hockey fan, and I watch this team more than anything right now, I'll tell you that. And that's why we started this show, because I needed somewhere to vent. That was the first thing. I need to vent. There's not a lot of fans of the Colorado Avalanche around me. Matter of fact, none of my friends are. I can't really talk to anybody about it. So this has turned into a little bit of a therapy session every week. And I'm glad I was afforded the opportunity to rant and rave about the happenings of this team as they go along. See, even when they win, I'm upset because something went wrong. And like I said, you'll learn that as we go along. It's a completely irrational emotional response from me. But, you know, in the moment when I'm doing it, it feels pretty good to just get it off my chest. And after night one, I tell you, I didn't want to talk to anybody about anything for 24 hours. I eventually settled down. And then the game on Friday night happened and everything was fine. So, you know, we're back to normal now. And we can look forward to the four games in Southern California. Brokenhearted that they're going to play eight games here in Southern California this year. And I won't be able to go to any of them, at least at this point in time. It doesn't look like it due to all the restrictions going on. But maybe by the end of the year... And maybe if things clear up a little bit and some restrictions are lifted, we'll get the opportunity to go watch the Avs play at both Staples Center and Honda Center. Going to be a fun week coming up. Lots of points available in the standings for this team. I'm excited to watch them on local television here. Going to enjoy John Allers, the Ducks play-by-play broadcaster, and Alex Faust from the Los Angeles Kings, two of the finest in the league. And we'll watch them call the games here over the next week. I'm going to miss Mark and Peter on Altitude. You get blacked out when you're in this region. You can't watch the away feed, as it were. I'm sure a lot of you know that. I said I wasn't going to get into channels getting blacked out. This is a little bit of a different circumstance. Alex Faust taking over for Bob Miller here locally. He's done an absolutely fantastic job. He calls football as well for the Fox family of networks. If you ever get a chance to listen to him call a game, I know he's done it on NBC Sports Network as well for some national games. You've heard his voice. The kid's something else. He's great. And John Ollers, of course. For Fox Sports Prime Ticket, a guy who I've looked up to for a long time. I've gotten some advice from him before. And look forward to hearing them call the action this week when the Avalanche head to Southern California. Once again, before I let you go, just a reminder, you can head over to Twitter. Follow me at Eric underscore Pesolano. You can follow me on Instagram as well. It's the same handle. And also on Twitter 
You can follow the podcast at Believe in Abs. That's at B-L-E-A-V in Abs on Twitter. we got a poll going on right now. Who's going to score that first goal against the Kings in the game on Tuesday night? Will it be the three-headed monster, or is it going to be the field? Who are you taking? Let me know. Go to that poll on Twitter and vote right now. You've been listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Bye-bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.